Imagine taking on a beloved institution and living to tell the tale. That's what Lloyd Sederer did, and his latest book is about the battle to transform Harvard's McLean Hospital. And it had a very stellar reputation. We hemorrhaged money uh, for over four years, millions of dollars every year. Hi, I'm Irene Silber with the Vanguard Network. Sederer's book is slated for publication in the second half of 2023. He says it's a story about healthcare, business, and leadership. He believes that the lessons about trying to get a beloved teaching hospital to change in the 1990s is relevant for business leaders who are facing massive changes in their industries today. Sederer spoke with former TV journalist Ken Stone about why so many people find radical change uncomfortable and how to make it happen. I'd like to start off with the Will Rogers quote that you've used to talk about change. Uh, would you mind sharing that quote and, and tell me why you like it? Well, actually, uh, it's sort of the punchline of the three elements of leadership. The first is method. The second is momentum. And then the third is a measurement. So his is an example of momentum. Even if you're doing the right thing, if you just sit there, you'll get run over by the train. How often does that happen for leaders? I mean, the leaders who are convinced we're doing the right thing. I don't have any quantitative sense of that. But whenever that happens, it's, it's a news story, particularly if it's a large company like Xerox or Blockbuster or something like that, with, or even IBM way back. Uh, that they just thought they had it uh, made and they didn't. And along came competitors that knocked them out of the box. You've said leadership does not mean authority. What do you mean by that? I mean that authority has to be earned. And that's what I've said to the countless people that I've worked with and that have worked for me. Uh, and among doctors, it's a particularly troubling idea because they are responsible, a doctor in a hospital, for example, doctor in one of my hospitals, uh, he or she is responsible uh, for what happens on that ward, what happens with that patient, but uh, they don't have the authority to do anything about it. The nurses don't report to them, the aides don't report to them, <laughs> the uh, your central office could give a damn. So uh, they have to earn it. And that is done by uh, skill and human relations and over time. And a lot of organizations, I believe, are run very well by informal authority. Talk a little bit about situational leadership, uh, because often, uh, as you were just mentioning, uh, the authority rests in a title, right? Yeah. Uh, but other times, the authority is actually sort of earned or perhaps taken uh, by uh, a person reacting to a situation. Yes, um, the, the structural definition or a structural view about authority is that it comes with the role like King Charles. And you have to live up to that. That doesn't mean really, it doesn't necessarily give you a script uh, except for manners. Uh, but that's structural authority. Um, then uh, there is informal authority, which is 
basically what we're talking about now, which is earned uh, authority. And, and it is very powerful if the person who is essentially taking responsibility for what happens um, on his or her shoulders and gathering the people and getting the action needed. That's informal authority. And I think it's the most, one of the most beautiful things to see. And then uh, situational authority. And uh, this is uh, battlefield promotion. You know, you're the lieutenant, uh, land on the beach, uh, the captain is next to you, he gets shot dead. A situation has just made you uh, authority. There, there's also a, 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 a quote that crisis makes the king. It's interesting you talked about earning authority. Uh, um, this gets back into Aristotle and the whole issue about uh, ethos and pathos and, you know, that you have to have the ethos to be a leader, uh, but you could have the perfect resume. You can't give yourself the ethos. It's got to be granted to you by the people who are essentially going to follow you, right? Yes. How tough is that? And how many? Uh, what's the big stumbling block? What What are the dangers for the person who says, "I'm going to assume the mantle of leadership," and they turn around and there's nobody following them? Um, <laughs> I mean, how does how does how does a leader know that they've earned the trust? That's a really good question. I I think. The, the first thing, the most important thing, is that those people whom you're trying to influence believe that th you have their interests at heart at first, priority for their interests, not for your own interests. In a minute, I want to get into um, the issue of radical change. Uh, but I'd like to ask you a personal question. You're a doctor. You you, you were trained as a doctor. Uh, at what point did you realize oh, leadership is a different thing? And it was in 1976. I remember very clearly because I had uh, taken a job at Mass General Hospital. Uh, this was like the first big uh, career step for me. And I was in charge of uh, a ward, an inpatient ward. And I thought I was in charge. And I was such a, a naive goofball. First of all, I learned then and ever since then that nurses run hospitals, not doctors. And that if I was going to accomplish what was required of me, namely to have good care and have people have the right uh, medicines and disposition and whatnot, I had to enlist and engage these other people. And, and they didn't think that they had to do it for me, but I knew that they had to do it for, in order for us to succeed. In a sense, uh, going back to that battlefield uh, metaphor that you came up with, uh, the lieutenant needs to look to the sergeant, the NCO, um, and, and get the sergeant on, on their side uh, if, yes. if the unit's going to survive. Yes. And I remember that when I first you know, wanted to make something happen or didn't like the way something was run, that um, I just was up against a wall. And then I realized that there were uh, two nurses in particular. So they weren't, wasn't the, the charge nurse, wasn't the head nurse, but they were senior nurses. And they were the influencers. They were the people that I needed to form a trusting relationship with. They needed to believe that I was 
the, the right, the real deal, and then their colleagues would believe them. You have a quote from Gandhi. Uh, first, they ignore you. Uh, then they shame you. Then they fight you. Then you win. Uh, talk a little bit about that uh, when it comes to radical change, to making a big change. I love that quote. It is the uh, tale of the book that I have just finished about McLean Hospital, about its almost uh, catastrophic closing, its uh, rehabilitative recovery, radical change, and then prospering again. And McLean Hospital is, a, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, a psychiatric hospital, is that correct? Yeah, so I should say a word about McLean Hospital is the only psychiatric teaching hospital in the Harvard medical system. And when I got there in 89, it was, you know, near to 200 years old, 180 years old. Uh, and it had a very stellar reputation. And yet, despite the stellar reputation, it was going under. Yes, it, but almost everybody, except a few people, uh, didn't believe that. And I call that the curse of prosperity, whereas the world was about to come down upon them. So how, 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 long, how long did it take to change the culture? How long did it take to, to basically save the business model? It didn't happen, I would suppose, in six months or even a year. It took a few years, right? Well, we hemorrhaged money uh, for over four years, millions of dollars every year. You're going to be fed up with me towards the end of our conversation because I'm going to give you another quote. It's a Japanese saying, which is that the nail that sticks out of the board is going to get hammered. <laughs> which is why people don't want to stick their necks out, which is why a lot of people are, you know, maybe they think it's right, but they're looking at how the winds are blowing and whether uh, it's the time for them or not uh, and what the danger is. Um, that's, that's human nature. And I, I understand that uh, because every change is hard and radical change, turning a place inside out, changing the ideology and the culture of an iconic Harvard hospital, that's a big deal. And these were people who essentially believed they made it that way or they kept it that way. And uh, they were dead wrong. I'd, I'd like to go back to that quote by Gandhi. Uh, first they ignore you, then they shame you, then they fight you. Uh, so do you have any advice for those three stages? When a leader is being ignored, what do you do? You just stay the course, because if you're doing, introducing something that's different, a different culture, uh, pretty soon they can't ignore you. Because I would you, think the most difficult stage of uh, Gandhi's steps there is then they shame you. Yes. Talk a little bit about that and, and, and what can a leader do to, uh, you know, stay the course? Because that, that seems to be a particularly effective weapon. Yes. Um, the, uh, that's really hard, emotionally very hard, because what will be said about you in public and behind your back, et cetera, is very disgraceful. 
that you know, Federer is doing this uh, because he's getting paid, you know, a fortune, which wasn't true. Um, or, you know, or they're doing this because they want to sell the hospital, or they want to close the hospital and sell the land. There were all these different theories, as opposed to simply we were trying to save the hospital. And those were hard to take, and they were insistent. And they came from actually a small group of uh, doctors, psychiatrists, and psychologists who were the old guard. And uh, they, uh, their position was that we were ruining the hospital, that this hospital stood on, you know, the mecca of medical psychiatric care, and that we were going to tear it down by what we were doing. And that um, that is imputing that we're trying to destroy something rather than that's that I found very hard because I thought that was disgraceful on that part, but I couldn't say that right. Um, but I felt it and I felt like I'm gonna show we're all gonna show you that you're wrong. That's how we'll get out of the shame uh, nothing else will do. That was Dr. Lloyd Setterer speaking with former public TV journalist Ken Stone at a Vanguard Dialogue. The Dialogue is just one of the membership benefits of the Vanguard Network, which organizes events, publishes content, and connects C-suite leaders. Our mission is building high-performance leadership. If you'd like more information about us, please visit our website at thevanguardnetwork.com. I'm Irene Silver. Thanks for listening.